It's hard. And what you're doing does not sound like two and a half men. It does. That's the exact theme song. It sounds like, I mean, I don't know. I'm the first the, uh, the exact right way. The first time we we did that, you were like, "Oh wow, sounds like you don't know what you're doing. Sounds like you <laughs> don't even know what the song That's sounds like." And you were doing, and it sounds like, like it sounds like you are doing an impression of what I did the That's first time. Not even close to true. I'm singing right. the actual song. That's you what were it like, sounds like to me. You know, I I'm singing the actual song, and and you were like. <laughs> That's what you, that those are the noises that you were making. Okay. Very right. very different. Uh Well, hi, hello. Uh welcome back. Uh and I, I not only am I welcoming you Connor as uh my guest, but also uh a big hearty welcome back to all our listeners. Um all the demons you know, out there. Either it's been a while because we'll be posting this with a gap, or a we're just going to post a bunch of episodes, <laughs> and then it won't seem like it's been a while because you could just listen to all of them. But but for us, it's been a while. Correct. Kind of like that song you were just trying to sing. Been a while. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, Nickelback, right? Um, maybe. So, should our fan base be, should they be called the Dune Heads or the Dude Heads? I was kind of thinking like Duners. Duners, or, okay. Or Duders, yeah. All right, Duners. I don't know. You don't like that? It's I could not... tell your voice was really flat. <laughs> you were like, "Oh, okay, Duners." I don't love it. Well, the thing is, dude heads sounds really general. Dune heads might just be what you call a fan of the book Dune, anyways. Yeah, maybe. I know. But then, okay, so but then, if if we're called if if we're called Dune if if they're called dude heads, then if we change the podcast at some point and we change the name from Dune Dudes to Book Dudes to be more general, then then it still works. Yeah. What? But what if we just changed the name? What if we were like, uh, and and this works on multiple levels. What if we were the redheads? Oh wow! Oh, that's really good. Red isn't like yeah. you read it. It mm-hmm. rhymes, and you have red hair. The redheads. That's really very very good. We'll I'll, I'll keep Re- that yeah, in the back pocket. So? Yeah, that could be that okay. could be the name of the uh, of our book club podcast. All right. That just came to me. I had I hadn't thought about that, but that's, I, that's I feel actually, like that's, that's, that's a very good work. name. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, and it wouldn't we'll be see. able to work unless one of us had red hair. So it just it works out on yeah on different levels. Thank God. I know I'm gonna be the imposter, for sure. But I, I kind of hope maybe at that point, you know, we'll switch the whole uh, host guest kind of thing that we have going on here. Because I don't know. I mean, um. I don't want to shoot myself in the foot or anything, but I, I don't know if I'm cut out for this life, you know? Um, you know, 
the, the the level of quality varies wildly in your hosting abilities. It does. But sometimes you're very good. Thank you. Oh, okay. That was um some some harsh but fair criticism. Maybe Josh and will I, be the host. Josh will be the host of Redheads. That'd be fun. Yeah. And we and we'd, and we'd have uh, we some have good talk, band. Like an NPR host, you know, like somebody that that hosts like a really boring NPR show. <laughs> In this week, yeah, redheads, yeah. we have the book, Harry Potter, and and then the we're just going to be, we're not going to read that. We're just we're <laughs> just going to be uh, two uh, two idiots on NPR. Yeah, two idiots. On, that's also a good podcast. I feel like name. we don't know. Yeah. All right. Um, so I'm going to host. I'm going to do the hosting thing. Sweet. And, you know, and uh, we're going we're gonna to get into it. We're going to get into the thick of it. Yes. Get into the weeds a little bit, even. Yes. Um, and, and you're not referring to the political off. comedy series starring Peter Capaldi. Um, no, no, you're, you're, no, I'm, I'm also, I'm also not, uh, well, I was going to say, I'm also not referencing that show about, um, that like housewife who sells pot and I think it's just called weeds or weed. It is weeds. Yep. Yep. Right. I think she was on uh, scrubs for a bit, right? Yeah, that that sounds. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. That sounds right to me. She might have had a little bit of a, maybe she had a multi-episode arc on Scrubs. <laughs> I think so. And then they did a spinoff uh, and named Weeds. Yeah, we uh, we're we're also not referencing that. We could be referencing the fact that there is some some minor vegetation on Arrakis that we're going to be. Yes. You know, we can discuss a bit. That was a you know surprise. that's that's more of what I was trying to. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. more what I was trying to get to. Um, but but we're okay. So I don't really know numerically, kind of like where we are, chapter section wise, and that's yeah. fine. I don't think it fucking matters. Um, but where we last left off, uh, was Paul and Jessica had just escaped um, this, like, Fremen compound laboratory thing. And Kynes was there, and they were, like, talking, and they were, like, I don't know, you know, Paul's kind of discussing this plan where he wants to, like, fucking beat Emperor and, you know, terraform the whole planet. And then, like, also get revenge. Like, it's this whole thing. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of cut short because the Harkonnens come in. And and then Paul and Jessica escape into this storm. This giant desert storm, which uh, is incredibly dangerous. And that leads us into the first chapter of, of this section that we read here. Um, it's, uh, Nephid, Nephid, you know, like the, whoever the new guard is who like talks with the Baron. Yeah, I, 
I I, I think uh, Nephid. Nephid is a uh, is how Nephid, I yeah think it would be pronounced. Yeah, I just think of him as like really vacant. Like his eyes are too far apart. He kind of looks like a fish. Yeah, he just has like this really like thousand mile stare. Like no one's home. Yeah, I mean it. Uh, yeah, I mean that that's that's true. And then also he is just kind of a bland character so far. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he is, isn't he? But I, I feel like that's kind of his his thing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but he reports to the Baron in this first chapter here uh, that they are dead, that Paul and Jessica have died in the storm. Baron's like, and the Baron's are kind you of pissed because sure? they have bodies. Yeah, right. And then, and then, uh, old 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 uh, old Nephi, old Nephid, Nephid. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, nah, I haven't. Haven't seen it, but they have to. But be dead. like, come on, right? Come on. In the desert, they couldn't survive in in a in a storm. No, no. The storm it is said to grind your very bones to dust mm-hmm. from the wind force. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's an exaggeration or if that's just how it is on Arrakis. Either way, uh, horrifying stuff. Now we know these guys ain't dead. <laughs> Those two, uh-huh. Paul and Jessica, they ain't dead. Oh hell no, <laughs> they they ain't dead. You didn't, Connor. Let me ask you something straight up, and I want you to be honest with me. I'm not gonna make fun of you. I'm not gonna shame you. Did you think they were dead? Oh hell no. Nah. <laughs> Not those two, right? No way, Jose. Are you kidding me? Come on. Are Paul you and kidding Jessica? me? No. Are you? We still have like half the book left. Are you joking? So... That would be, you know, Connor. If they were dead, if they were truly dead, that would be knocking futs. I don't even know what that to say. Would to that would be knocking futs. I think maybe. Uh... You know where that's from, right? Knocking futs? Mm. No. <laughs> Scrubs? No. No. Uh I don't know, can I can I get a hint? One of your I mean, yeah, it's 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 a uh very well renowned uh David Spade movie. Oh, uh Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo. No, you're thinking of um of the, <laughs> that other guy. Is his name Rod Stewart? Rod Stewart, the, other guy? the, the singer. No, Rob or, Schneider. No, you're thinking uh, of Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider. Fuck, that's Rob. Yeah, Rod Stewart. Rod oh my Schneider. god. You know where I was going with that. Yeah, you know? we're going to to a spectacularly wrong place. Is where you were going. <laughs> I just got some wires crossed. You the did. Rod, you did. Rob, yeah. action. Uh, no, I know you are, of course, talking about uh, the 2005 classic, Joe Dirt. No, 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 no. Joe Dirt. Although that was, that was a classic. Truly was. Um, what other no. movie has David Spade ever even fucking been in? Come on, buddy. Other than Joe Dirt, I don't. 
Um, I don't know. I'm really drawing a blank. Like Dicky Roberts. The... Dicky Roberts. I don't. I'm gonna. This is not a joke. This is not like oh, Paul and Jessica are they dead? This is not a joke. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I've never seen it. I don't even think I've fucking heard of it. The classic. It sounds spade like joint. you're trying to talk to me. It sounds like you're trying to talk to me about the Adam Sandler movie Little Nicky, and you're and you were just like wrong. I don't know what you're talking about. No, there's a movie. There, there's a movie starring David Spade called Dicky Roberts, and this that's what it's from. And he he says like his his catchphrase is knocking futs because it's like it's you know like fucking nuts except the first letters are reversed. Yeah, now that's the that's yeah. the joke. Kind of like uh, bass backwards. Right? Exactly. Yes. Yes. So that's that's the joke, and hmm. that's uh that's where it's from. So you're welcome. Wow. Okay, so as the host, I'm gonna I'm gonna draw a line, make a bit of a rule here. Um, I don't want us to reference David Spade, <laughs> just like as a general, just as like a general rule slash agreement between two dudes. I don't think we should even reference David Spade. I mean, I I'm think not interested. Yeah, I don't know. I think he, I think he's fine to reference that he's not. He hasn't been canceled yet. No, I don't. I, I mean, to my knowledge, he's uh, right. Not not. Pro- I mean, I don't know. He seems like he would be an ass. It seems like yeah. he'd be problematic. I'm sure. I, I shouldn't say that I'm. It would sure be no because, surprise. Like, I'm not, Vibe. Yeah, right. I, I it, certainly get the vibe from David Spade. If that, if uh, you woke up, if you woke up, if you woke up, open up your phone, turned on the Twitter app, and saw yeah. saw trending David Spade is over party hashtag. Yeah. You would not be surprised. No, in fact, I might even say, uh, you know, it's overdue. Yes, I yes. might even go, man, it's about time because. As far as I'm concerned, he's been in one movie. I don't even know what else. Nobody would he's be done, saying, you know? ah, nucking futs, you know? No. Except no. for him. Except for himself. You just violated a rule. You just violated a very important rule slash agreement between two dudes just now. I, I never agreed to anything. You just proposed okay. disagreement. Will, and so, all right, so I'm going to propose it. I'm going to throw it out there into the <laughs> void of online discussion between you and I and I, I want to know if you say yay or nay I say no nope I do not agree <laughs> you said you didn't I didn't say yes or no I said yay or nay no You're I not do not agree following that I'm the host I'm the host and and it feels like you're disrespecting my authority <laughs> oh my god <laughs> no Oh no! Oh, why? Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah. Okay. All right. I think yeah. we. I think now you've. I, you put you you back me into a corner here. To to complain that game because That's all I'm saying because now we have to strike a deal. We yeah. we have to so so I mean. He, 
here it is. That was like the nuclear option. That was the nuclear option. Yeah, yeah. That, that was you clinched that. I mean, I will not reference David Spade if you do not reference South Park. I say yay. Okay, yay. We are in favor of this agreement. Moving on. <clears throat> All right. So, so Nathan, so Nathan says uh, says that they're dead, and then the Baron's like not not happy that he doesn't know for sure but then the baron is like but they gotta be dead like even he agrees yeah he yeah even though they haven't seen the body like he has a hard time but he's like yeah they're fucking dead like um and then he kind of he's like okay well i think i can start phase two of my plan and he calls in um his nephew i think it is yes the the beast raban mm-hmm it sounds like had some control over Arrakis before during the the Harkonnen reign and he has a reputation for uh, being a ruthless bloodthirsty punishing oppressive leader yes correct and uh, that's all part of the Baron's plan because the Baron wants to use him to be a horrible, horrible piece of shit. And then it sounds like the Baron's probably going to like kill him or I don't know. Yeah. Uh, He, yeah. I mean, you know, he, he wants to use him, um, you know, to kind of rule Arrakis with an iron fist and, uh, and then all all he asks for in return is profit. Yes. Because Which, th- because he's going to let him off the leash. Yeah. Yeah, I mean obviously uh money's important, but I, I think interestingly enough it sounds like his ultimate goal is uh his younger He wants to have right. Nephew. He wants to have like a really obvious contrast like hey, this dude's awful. Rabin, and then he wants to have Fade Rautha, uh, who he has like a strange incestual pedophilic attraction to. Yep, here we I go guess. again with this. I, yeah, yeah, I know. It's, that's just how the that's just how the Baron ends his chapters now. I guess. Yeah, it's it seems like the last sentence is like him kind of having to comment about that, and then I have to comment about it. You know, how does that? It's. it's just, I don't want to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, no, I mean it's that's your job as the host, you know. It's exactly. It's my duty as the host. He puts you in a very tricky situation. He does. But but yeah, so um, he, he yeah, it's like a plan to, you know, you're right, contrast the two leadership styles and he thinks that that Fade Rautha is uh is what could be a leader that would inspire the masses and yeah. um you know, really uh I I guess trick people into supporting him and in the Harkonnens. Right. And I know that obviously between our, our two sections, there was kind of a big chunk of time between this first chapter that we're discussing and then the the chapter just before it that was the end of our previous section. But it, it, it kind of got me thinking that um, in that chapter when Paul and Jessica are escaping... But like before that, they're talking to Kynes, and Paul's talking about his plan to try and uh, 
I guess, I don't know, become emperor or get like imperial mm. power influence. Um, so the Baron kind of has the same plan. I mean, they're going to go about it differently, obviously, but the Baron also ultimately wants a Harkonnen to be emperor. That, yes. that sounds like that's like his ultimate goal at the end of everything. That's what his, you know, eyes on the prize. He's saying like long after, or I don't know about long after, but he's like, it's not going to be me. Like I'll be dead probably, but uh, someone's going to be emperor and I want it to be Harkonnen. And I, I think he, he thinks it might be Fade Ratha. Um, he does, but it's hilarious because if it's Fade Ratha or if it is Paul, it'll still be a Harkonnen. <laughs> right. You know, I didn't even... Either way, <laughs> it will be one of his kind. That's right. I kind of forgot uh, even... That was like some big revelation at the beginning yeah. of... Uh, this, the second ago. book. Yep. Yeah, but uh, hasn't hasn't really mattered thus far. Um, but yeah, that's right. Good catch. One way or the other, it will be. So it seems if it's if it's really just between them. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I thought this chapter was kind of interesting. You get the Baron's perspective, um, which we don't have that often. Not that it's a pleasant one, but <laughs> I think it's still good to you know, give him some time to be vile and horrible. Yeah. Hopefully uh, yeah. Lay the ground for his death. Yep. It, by it'll, make, it'll make killing all him all the sweeter. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. I, maybe that's, that's too easy. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Any other thoughts? I kind of just went down the, quick summary there yeah just no, I mean, honestly the um the part that i thought was the most interesting was the baron saying how he wants it to be you know the emperor to be somebody from his bloodline and uh i and i, I think it will be a huge smack in the face for him when he finds out that paul i mean i don't know it might be it might make him happy or upset, you know, depending on whether or not he thinks he can control him. But yeah, but regardless, that will be a good, uh, uh, a big revelation for him to, cause, cause now we obviously, cause, cause now we know beyond a doubt that he does not know Paul's yeah. lineage. Right. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think what would be, I don't know. Part of uh, like what this this section makes me think of, and like the more I, I guess, like read on in this book, um, I feel like I I I, tr- I try to like predict things, and like we kind of both have some success, but I think overall it's been pretty good about um, going with options that don't seem obvious and part of me wonders if the baron will ever even know like Mm. i could kind of see him dying without ever having that knowledge um only because like and uh you know we'll circle back around to it whatever the fuck but the last chapter that we read in this section it's kind's perspective and i keep thinking the whole time like 
you know, oh, how's he going to get out of this one? And he doesn't, you know? Um, and so I, I don't know. It seems like uh, there's not always that, that resolution that uh, feels like it's set up for. No, it's true. It does. It does kind of uh, throw you on, throw it on, on on its head a little bit, which is good, but not too much to where it's like sticky. So like, right. you never know if it's going to be, um, kind of the 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 obvious way out, or if it's going to be something that's a little bit subversive. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a good variety of of uh, surprise and of you know classic storytelling yeah <clears throat> well said my friend all right let's uh so the next one this is we we re, we rejoin uh paul and jessica who are not dead they are not dead not yet not yet um and they have to like crash land their ornithopter and then escape a sandworm. And then they go through this whole like they're uh, climbing, scaling this like rock outcrop in like the middle of the dunes. But it, it pretty much just kind of outlines, uh, you know, where they're at in yeah. surviving in the, the unforgiving desert um very tough it is and even for them it's important that they that they hammer that home i i still really like all the um details that are added in about like you know whenever they have to drink from their still suit or you know like the the imprint that i guess the plugs and nozzle like make on their face and it's definitely uh, a lot of thought is put into how these uh, sci-fi technologies would work. Yeah, this is one thing that I'm going to be that I'm looking forward to seeing how they do in the movie. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be just, I'll be uh, very interested to see how how they um, can visualize what uh, what a still suit actually is or looks like. And what drinking out of it looks like. Because, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to kind of it picture it in your head. Yeah, it is weird. I um, I think of it as like this really skin tight, um, like kind of one piece suit. Yeah. Almost that like. And then, um, I don't know, I feel like there's like probably different like sections of it for like your musculature, and but it, it seems like it's just like one piece of thing, mm-hmm. and then there's like the straw at your neck that I think you can like pull up and drink from, yeah. and then there's like, the nose plugs I don't get completely, but it says that it makes this imprint, it feels like it goes up your face and then over your lip and into your nose. I don't really know what that's for. Is it so you don't get sand in your nose or Maybe. does it catch moisture from your nose or both? I know it doesn't really matter, but uh, one thing I liked about this chapter 
was the way that it ends after they go through, uh, you know, just trying to find a place where they can rest. Mm-hmm. They they try and set up camp in this little crevasse, and Paul inadvertently uh, causes this almost like a sand avalanche. Yes, you know, he, he, it's like he, yeah, <laughs> right. Um, I mean, I guess, I don't know, whatever the fuck. Uh, and so when that happens, he almost loses the bag, which has all their supplies. It has their still tent. It, I mean, they would literally die if they don't have their bag. Yep. It sounds like, um, and so it's like a really big deal. And Paul and Jessica working together are able to free the bag. But then at the end of the the chapter, right after they do that, um, I I think we kind of get back to um, Jessica finding her footing again as like an authority figure over Paul, which I I kind of mentioned last time. I feel like she's sort of had to get like undercut in order for Paul to seem like freaking you know desert jesus or whatever um yeah and like and then i don't know i don't want to retread it too much but i know we kind of talked about like it 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 makes sense that she would feel that way like we get that she's afraid of her son which i think is like an interesting dynamic to have all of a sudden Mm -hmm. um but i i like this conclusion of the chapter because jessica's like hey you almost lost all our shit because you made a mistake and like it's okay that you made a mistake but like it's my job as your mother and Bene Gesserit badass that I like I still have things to teach you yeah, and you I'm still, still capable training. of things that you aren't right mm-hmm. uh, and and Paul says he feels like this flash of anger because I, I think he feels really superior to his mom like instantly yep he definitely Uh, does and so i I like that that was a bit of like you know maybe bringing this this teenager who suddenly acquires godlike powers back down to earth or back down to arrakis a bit um i i think that was important and i'm glad that they had that interaction there yeah, and I think it's it's good to see these moments where Paul is making mistakes and is kind of second guessing himself. Um because yeah, I mean, it would just be boring if he was this kind of infallible Dr. Manhattan like character. Yeah, all the time at least. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely really well written and I guess in a way, like I think I'm realizing that I like that he has this giant douchey chip on his shoulder because he is still 16 and it makes total sense for his. his Right. Right. Like if you were to instantly like, like literally in this instant, he, he acquires all this, uh, 
future knowledge and and shit. Yeah, I um. I get that. And so there's parts that I like about it and there's parts that I don't, but I, I think it's all intentional. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so that was cool. They're still stuck out in the freaking desert. Um, and then the chapter after that, we catch back up with our main man, Gurney Halleck. Oh yeah. He's still alive too. Big, baby. big G H himself. Mm hmm. As I like to say. And you do say? All the time. <laughs> um, so he's talking with Esmar Tuek, I think. Unless that was his father's name. I guess it doesn't matter. But he's talking to the... One of the Tuek family. Right. <laughs> one the of the one. son of the smuggler who was killed uh, at the mansion castle yes. during the during the coup, yep. during the death of the Duke. Um, and so one, cool that Gurney's around. Um, because I, I think we talked about this too, but like of the, I mean, Haw is also awesome, and Idaho, we I feel like doesn't have as many opportunities to. I don't know. Showcase his character. Like right, yeah. Like I, I don't even know what his personality is completely. I guess he seems very stoic. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, that's one one brief thing I want to mention. Actually, and it, it does make it's about Duncan Idaho, um, because. During the, the chapter where the Baron is having a conversation with Nephid, um, I feel like they mentioned something like that Duncan Idaho like led them there. And the first time I read that, I'm like, was he helping the Harkonnens? But then I'm like, maybe they just mean it as they were able to to track him somehow but i guess i'm wondering like did you well what do you what do you mean what what was the context of that because um i think they say something like uh here hold on i actually have my book right next to me and it's at the very beginning of the chapter so i should be able to find it quick um it was oh yeah i'm actually i'm on the chapter here okay here's what he says uh, here we go. Okay, I did find it. So he says, um, Nephit is saying, Idaho joined Kynes under mysterious circumstances. I might even say suspicious circumstances. Um... Fuck. Knocking futs. Where is this thing? I swear <laughs> I like something where I was like I know. You just broke our our agreement. <laughs> you 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 challenged your own authority. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, this you bad. you really regret it saying bad, that. Bad, huh? bad. I don't like it. No, it's not uh 
but it's I had not to, I had to go there. It? Yeah, no, I mean, um, I'm glad you did, man. Thanks. Okay, only give me like two more seconds. Oh, here it is. Okay. For what purpose do you come here rattling your armor, the Baron roared? To tell me a thing is certain when it is not? Do you think I'll raise you for, yeah, all that shit, whatever. And then he says, the man Idaho led us to them then, the Baron said. And Nephid says, yes, my lord. Um, and he says, they were attempting to flee the Fremen, eh? And then he says, yes, my lord. And then, uh, I don't know. I guess just the whole, like... The Baron just says the man Idaho led us to them then. Hmm. And I just feel, I don't know, maybe. I mean, the only I'm thing the I could think of is, is, um, I mean, wasn't he the one that was, that was like drunk? He was. Yeah. And I mean, maybe, maybe he led them to, he led, I mean, this is kind of far fetched or, or abstract, but, um, but he's the one that kind of sowed that initial discord, that kind of, that kind of brewed that moment. That's the only thing I can think of, but uh, unless he actually is a traitor and we did not know until now. Right. But then like, I don't think so. Cause Oh, but also no, no, no. But he, he's also the one that, um, that they gave to the Fremen to, to be like the ambassador, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So maybe in that way, he, 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 um, he, he led them to their, to, you know their mansion and let them inside the kind of uh, barrier between whatever you know yeah they, they gave, he, that... he he granted them easier access because of his connection with the fremen maybe yeah that's a good interpretation i i guess i feel like if it was some like weird deliberate plan we didn't know about that they'd say it differently but yeah the first time i read that i was confused i yeah, guess it's a, little, it's, it's a little weird anyways gurney halleck the minstrel warrior yes. is talking with a smuggler dude tuek and son of tuek pretty much it's it's really just this uh yes son of tuek it's really just this conversation that they have at wherever this smuggler stronghold is um and I guess Gurney has like seventy something men that were with him, his his loyal uh, soldiers or partners, you know, whatever. Um, and they're saved by Tuik as they're fleeing, and uh, Tuik seems to know a lot of shit. He has yes. a lot of uh, a lot of feelers out because he knows that Rabin is supposed to take power, which is very enticing for Gurney because apparently they have a score to settle. Him and yeah. uh, him and Rabin. He really think, just wants to destroy them, right? Um. But it, yeah, it sounds, I figured if it was this chapter or a previous one, but it sounds like Rabin is the one who gave Gurney the scar yep. that he has like, running down his body. I think that's the implication. 
Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, I like that, 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 uh, inclusion. I'm sure that'll come to a head or it won't, but I'm assuming it will. They'll meet in some fashion. Um, and Gurney, oh, right. And also to extend that, um, he also believes that Paul and Jessica are dead from the storm. Yep. Everyone who knows that they were in the storm are like, well, they're fucking dead. No fucking um, way they're surviving. No. Um, and Gurney, Gurney believes it too. Um, and so he pledges his sword to Tuek. And, uh, and it seems like Gurney wants his his men to make a decision on their own, and Tuik's like, "What? You would like even give them a choice?" And he's like, "Yeah, I would." <laughs> um, so maybe he won't have all of uh, his men come next time we see him, but maybe he will. I don't know. Might not be that important. Um, and then but... it's going to be interesting to. Um when he realizes that Paul and Jessica are alive and who his, his loyalty lies with in that moment. Yes. Yeah. I definitely like, um, how from this, this big inciting incident of, uh, you know, the Duke's destruction, like everyone kind of splinters off into their own factions, their own branches. And there's no way for them to communicate. They don't know if anyone else is even alive. Um, they don't have any cell phone service. No, what the fuck? For fuck's sake. Come on. You can fit a, a Bible and a freaking, <laughs> you know, thing that fits in the palm of your hand, but you can't just make a cell phone call. I know. What kind of future is this? Um. Yeah, but but that's true. I mean, so we we have Gurney with the smugglers, and I mean, even just have even just having their interaction, it seems like we're kind of get like the characters have talked about the smugglers before. I remember when the the Duke and Hot were having all their meetings; like they've definitely talked about the smugglers. Um, I wonder how this this faction is going to like weave into all this other shit. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I mean, cause I mean, they, they kind of are, they, they don't support the Harkonnens necessarily, but they, they're like, yeah, we're not going to be the ones that take them down. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're definitely self preservationists. I mean, yeah. they really just care about what's going to benefit them, which mm-hmm. I mean, makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I like that. Um, two X seems cool. He also, I mean, he knows that, uh, the Harkonnens are responsible for his father's death. So he's definitely all about biding his time, but he's also, not uh, like, like, uh, right. Gurney is. Yeah. But but he also believes he'll get his revenge, it seems like. Yeah. He's just uh maybe a bit more of a calculating leader. Mm. So Yeah. That's all cool. 
I guess they... I don't know. The smugglers kind of seem like... Uh, the only other thing is, like, he says, he's like, oh, I only believe what I see, the Tuek guy. And so, like, Gurney's saying that he hears these rumors of vegetation and, like, how the Fremen might really be sustaining themselves. And yep. Tuek just completely dismisses it out of hand. Um, I was kind of wondering if he was so dismissive about it because like he actually knows the truth. That might be the case and he's, he's somehow profiting off of that or benefiting off of that somehow. Yeah. And I mean, it shouldn't come as a surprise like smugglers, you know, we get it, but just before Gurney pledges himself, um, he says that like he has this, this feeling that he can't explain where he's like, I don't really know about this guy, you know? Um, so I'm kind of expecting, I don't know if betrayal is too strong a word, but, but obviously uh, this man does not seem to be trustworthy. I guess mm-hmm. I'll put it like that. Agreed. So yeah, we'll, we'll see where it leads. All right, let's wrap up. We got these last two here. Hell yeah, I just baby. read today. Um, first one. What? What did I read? Uh. Oh, we meet. That's right. We meet back up with Paul and Jessica, and they're still traversing through the desert. Um, some more desert. And it's antics. all about them. They're on like. <laughs> right. Those wacky desert antics. Uh, they are on this kind of like isolated like rock island in the middle of the, the dune desert. And it's their only like point of safety because the worms cannot burrow on the rock. So like otherwise they're fucked. But they need to keep going because then they'll also just die if they stay in one place because yep. desert. So they're looking for the Fremen. They believe that there's like Fremen outcrops. That's their freaking plan. They're like, meet up with the Fremen. You know, they'll uh, help us out and we'll go from there. They just need to like find somewhere to survive. Mm-hmm. And so they see off in the horizon another rock outcropping cliff thing, but they have to cross the desert to get there. And that means, you know, putting themselves in danger from the worms again. Um, so this is the first chapter where we really see a worm. Like we kind of got the whole, like the worm introduction when it destroys the spice miner. Mm hmm. But they don't really describe what it looks like. And I haven't really... I don't know. I'm like a giant worm, right? Like, I don't really know. But the worm that appears in this chapter uh, comes above ground, and it seems like... uh, Like, at first, I was kind of picturing the worm creature that lives in the asteroid in Empire Strikes Back. 
and almost eats the Millennium Falcon, and mm-hmm. it has like this chompy mouth. Yep. But instead, the way it's described is it, it just sounds like there's like no face or anything, and the front of it is just like a void with teeth, and it just like inhales shit. I think. Um, so it's pretty gross. Uh, and incredibly dangerous and awe-inspiring. And, uh, and this one ends where they, I mean, like, we can talk about whatever shit if you want to talk about the in-between, them crossing. Um, but ultimately, they, they make it to, you know, the, the rocks on the other side. And it's beautiful, and it's amazing, and there's vegetation there even, like little cacti and shrubs and bushes and shit. It's like a little mini paradise. Right. It's beautiful. <laughs> for for the, de- the desert on Arrakis. Yeah. And then uh, two, what are described as wild Fremen, yes. uh, ambush them. And it seems pretty clear that they just want to kill them. They for want that their water, water, baby. It's all about that water. Mm-hmm. Make it rain. <laughs> um, Takes on a whole different meaning. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the the chapter ends there. We got one more to cover, but uh, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, uh, when when they did come up close to the worm, um, they were, I mean. They were relatively helpless, but then something else kind of signaled it away, right? It was kind of a different. They they think a Fremen camp or something. Uh, yeah, they were using uh, what's known as a thumper. Yes, yes, and yes. apparently it's it's made just for attracting worms or distracting them. Yeah, because because uh, their whole thing was because we're it gonna makes this sense. here. Yeah, we're going to leave this here as we can get across the desert without attracting a worm. Yeah. But that kind of backfired. Which, yeah, it... The the crossing was a little weird, only in the sense that, um, you know, they they walk very deliberately, like, arrhythmically, like, yep. out of rhythm, you know, they're, mm-hmm. like, dragging their feet, they pause, they make weird steps. So the worm um, cannot tell they that walk. they are a, a living organism. Right. They they want to sound, like, just, like, falling or blowing sand. Like, yep. um, falling sand was a great game, by and, the way. Oh, yeah. Right? That's what that was uh, called. Yeah, very, man. Very funny we, internet. Uh, very, very fun early two thousands internet game. If you uh, if you've never played it, look it up. It might be still. It might still exist somewhere. I I bet it does. Probably. Um. Yeah. We, we played the shit out of that. Yeah. It was really fun to like mix different uh chemicals and. Burned. I mean, I think we just pretty much made explosions. And, yeah. And <laughs> and shit burned uh, little people alive. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I mean, it's early 2000s internet game you know what what else are you gonna do so yeah not many options i didn't remember it was called that though so good catch yeah yeah well thank you anyways right so like they're crossing in a way that is supposed to not attract worms and then back at their camp that they left they leave a thumper that they know will attract a worm 
Um, so it did seem weird because like part of me was thinking, could you just not use the thumper and cross? But like maybe the walking is like really only the best you could do in like a desperate situation. Yeah, you know, like they the, might the case figure it out anyways. Yeah. It's not a full it's not not a foolproof um you know, way to you know, get away from them. I think it's just kind of their best hope. But then what I thought was interesting, and I forget if, if this is actually the case, but I think I don't think that their thumper is the one is is the one that that um saved them in the end. I think it was it was uh you know what what they think is a different Fremen camp that uh kind of signaled the worm. Um and that's what yeah. ultimately saved them. Yeah, yes. Yeah. The one they leave behind I guess is to try and aid in their crossing. But right, the worm kind of catches them in in between these rocks yeah. anyways, and they are saved by Right, what they think is another group of Fremen using their own separate thumper. And then Jessica is all like, do you think they did it to save us? Like, why would they save us? And then exactly. Paul's like, well, it's possible that they were deliberately attracting the worm without even knowing we were here. And Jessica's like, well, why the fuck would they do that? And then Paul's thinking, like, at the edge of his foreknowledge, he can't quite put it together. But he knows that there is a reason why Fremen would attract worms. And I, I think it has something to do with the, the spice. Yeah, spice. And worms are connected. And, I mean, I guess they must have interaction with worms in order to get their the cries knife in the first place. Yeah. I, like, I guess kind of assumed you know you would just find a dead one eventually mm-hmm. and like you could probably make a million so I think yeah. it has a lot of teeth they're huge um, but I guess like interestingly it, it connects with the next and last chapter of our section because Kynes when he's on his own in the desert these are things he ponders is thinking about like oh yeah. well what if a worm comes yep And and he does mention what it sounds like is the Fremen have a tool that allow them to ride worms. Mm-hmm. I I believe that's how I uh, took it because it sounds like Kynes is is kind of like desperately thinking of like if there's a way out of his hopeless situation, yeah. and he's like, well, if a worm shows up. I don't have this, I forget what he calls it, some tool. But the reason I thought about it is because in the previous chapter with Paul, that's like what he's stuck on too. He's like, I know it has to do with this tool, but I can't think of what it is or why. And then Kynes kind of clears that up for us as the reader. And it sounds like it's it's some sort of hook um, that I think they can ride. Yes, yes, yes. I think yes, they like yes, attach yes. themselves mm-hmm. to it. Yeah, and I mean... Which we have obviously not, but, not yeah. yet. But I think this is kind of a uh, you know precursor to like Kynes kind of exploring all of these options on how to save himself from this dire situation. I think are I think these are uh, this is kind of foreshadowing as to what we can expect 
maybe will save Paul and Jessica in the end from maybe an even more dire scenario that they're put into. Um, True. But yeah, this, this final chapter of this, of this section was, was great. I mean, you know, him talking, talking with his father, um, you know, him hallucinating his father's word and, you know, and, and, uh, uh, it was, a, it was a, it was a good way to go. It was a good way to go for kinds. Yeah, I agree. Um, I really love the, the very end, you know, uh, the line was something like, uh, <clears throat> kinds like had this thought as his planet was killing him. And I really love, uh, I mean, it does seem appropriate because it's ultimately Arrakis that kills Kynes. And not only is it like, you know, a death and an end for his character, but like he's so invested and attached to the planet. It's sort of like he's um, being like beckoned. Yeah. Home yeah. Like he kind of becomes part of the planet. Yeah. In he's, the end. he's kind of. Um dissolving into the planet or the planet is is taking him in some way yeah which which is interesting um because both yeah both him and his father have you know given their lives to arrakis and making it a more habitable place um yeah yeah it was a very fitting end for him i mean even though he you know he's he's uh i mean he's been in the majority of the book, but I think he's been a great character for, for, for his semi short run. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, he, in fact, he was one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, I really liked kinds cause you know, he, he's the Imperial planetologist and I think he has a lot of pride in that, but like, it's clear that his, his real influence and allegiance was always to like the planet and the people, you know, he wants, absolutely right. He wants Arrakis to be better. So people can have better lives. Like his goal was, um, you know, selfless, I guess, which even if he's done some questionable things and was, uh, you know, initially involved in the plot to kill the Duke. Uh, you know, I, I think he, his, his moral code and his, his driving ambition were, uh, you know, admirable. Yeah. And it, it made him a really fun character to read. Absolutely. And you, you have to think too, that his, that the reason why he wanted to, overthrow the duke at first was maybe because he went into it assuming maybe that the duke was going to just use arrakis to extract and to profit and uh then you know pretty much right away after he learned the true character of the duke he he switched sides and was on board so true yeah i mean he's <clears throat> just coming off the heels of Harkonnen rule, which sounds awful. So, yeah, I'm sure he's really jaded to uh, people in in royal positions of authority. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I guess you can't ultimately fault him for that too. When uh, he has no reason to suspect that the Duke is going to 
ha- you know have any positive character traits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Rest but, in peace. Um, Rip to a real one. I know. Yeah, uh, I'd uh, I'd pour out some water if uh, <laughs> if I didn't want to waste the fluid. <clears throat> I know it's, it's a little a little more Dune humor for you. A little more um, Dune humor. I um I did not think that this was a death chapter though. It was one of the things I wanted to mention. Um, even until like the very last page. When it became like obvious, like the the gas bubble bursts and the he, he gets drawn in, like until that happened, um, I thought that either the chapter was just going to end with him still Near being death. alive, yeah, right, or it ends with him being saved somehow. Um, so I, I really thought that he was going to live and I really thought that he was going to see whatever the, uh, the fate of Arrakis ends up being. Um, so obviously there's a sense of sadness that he, he doesn't get that. Um, because I, I hope it will be positive. I know. I guess I, I, I really am expecting like, quote unquote a happy ending like I, I do think that Arrakis will be terraformed I don't know yeah. if that's naive or it hopeful be, of me but it, I I mean maybe in the final Dune book yeah I, uh, I guess that's true there there is a lot of uh, Dune after this I suppose but it will be a very bittersweet moment if if we do get to see that uh, you know a, a, a bright future for Arrakis and kind is not around to to witness it. It it, it will be sad for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I I um I will miss Kynes. I did. Uh, I liked him a lot. He was wily, yeah, and his character description. I always kind of thought he looked like Kurt Cobain to me. So dude, that was fun. dude, I uh, I I pictured very very close to <laughs> yep. the same very close to the same kind of uh thing yeah yeah i mean that's <clears throat> that's pretty much what i what i have and it was so. weird balancing that out that's with funny. him being like a professor um, or, or like a scientist you know kind of like a, it it's, it's kind of like a grungy yeah. scientist or a grungy doctor you know yeah exactly yeah that's why i liked him because he, he didn't seem uh so so stuck up or like just purely academic like no. he, he was very like boots on the ground, yeah. you know. He has that that Fremen swagger. He was a man of the people. Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, and yeah. him, we you know with him gone, this it's it's one less person on uh, Jessica and Paul's side that can help them out in a pinch. Yeah, true. That's a big. I guess that's the, a big ally they've lost. It is. Especially because, right, he has, like, the... He was Liet, which is some big, important thing for the Fremen. Yes. Um, But he does... He does mention... Or think to himself that he he did send out this message that um, Paul is, I guess, to be protected. And 
I think he also sent out a message that he wants Jessica to be protected, but he's mm-hmm. kind of like, eh, but I don't know if they're going to go for that. They might kill <laughs> Jessica, but, uh, um, but Paul should be protected. And as we're discussing it, it makes me think, I wonder if in the, the chapter where we uh, start back up again with Paul and Jessica and it's like, Ooh, how, how do they get out of this one? Um, it might be a case of mistaken identity. Uh, the Fremen might, just assume there are two random people lost in the desert and their first thought is we're gonna Water. kill these people because we need to survive right yep. um but if they happen to learn their identities they may just be like oh shit we were told by freaking liet kinds that you guys were cool so um maybe maybe that's where that's uh yeah heading toward it's true i mean and they already know that they can play up their their you know their mythical kind of standing with the Fremen yeah. to protect themselves if need be. So um it just depends on if they believe them or not. Right, true. They do have a lot going for them with the Fremen because Paul is saying he's the Muad'Dib. Yep. And Jessica has the Cry's knife. Which yeah, is supposed yeah. to be a big freaking deal for the Fremen too. That's true. So, um, yeah. and that's that's courtesy of Mopez right there. I know. I mean, rip to a real one. <laughs> Poor Mapes. Another one bites the dust. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, any any closing thoughts or thoughts on the future of what we may read? Um. I mean, yeah, these, these five chapters, I feel like we're, I mean, maybe, I mean, probably the, the strongest run of chapters consecutively since the beginning, maybe not that yeah. any were really bad, but I, I just felt like it was very consistent and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's really moving along in a, in a uh, nice pace. Um, yeah. and Yeah. I don't know. Um, also, the chapter length, as we were talking about, is all it has has also been consistent, and it's it feels like it's a good middle ground between the the uh, shorter few, you know three page chapters and the longer you know like thirty page chapters. It's it's a uh, it just it just feels like a good sweet spot. Yeah. No, I see what you mean. Yeah, I think all these chapters were floating somewhere between like ten, fifteen pages. Yeah. Um, Instead of just like you said, there there seems to be this tendency of irregularly long chapters and then irregularly short chapters, yep. which you know ultimately it evens out. We we read about the same amount every week, but yep. the chapter breakup is important. So I feel that. Yeah, but that's all um, I gotta say. I think I, I think the future. I'm I'm just excited. I'm probably gonna dive dive into uh, the next chapter tonight. So. Nice. Yeah, no, that's, I, I, uh, I know we could have done this tomorrow, but I did want to talk just so it feels like we, we have some, some open road in front of us. You yeah. Know? And you got give a big beach some, day tomorrow. You can, you can, you can dive in and we'll get your tan on. Yeah. I'll be reading Dune on the Dunes, man. Yeah. <laughs> just watch um, out for any worms. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in closing, I think I just say, um, 
I agree. These chapters were awesome. Um, I, I really like the duo of Jessica and Paul kind of continuing on, making their way through the desert. Um, I like the intrigue with the Baron and him setting up his schemes. I like that we get some shit with Gurney. I'm pretty certain in our next five chapters, we'll kind of meet back up with Thufir Hawit, who is under Sardaukar observation. He's in prison, but but I know the Baron has his own plans. Yeah, we, sure. we didn't mention that. The Baron wants uh, to kind I really of... Want to see yeah, the Baron wants to claim Hawa and, and kind of uh, make him his 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 uh, his mentat. Yeah, which is, it's it does, like, it, it feels like Hawa would be, like, fiercely uncompromisingly loyal to the Atreides family, but the Baron seems like really confident that because Mentats are like conditioned to function purely on logic that like he could present such a logical argument that he could convince Hot to be yep. his Mentat. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Particularly I'm, if if he rolls with, with the uh, the idea that Jessica is the traitor and that di- and, yeah. and and that Yui died uh saving the trying to save the duke. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um so I'm I'm definitely looking forward to those two characters interacting and I, I think we'll get that in our next batch. Yeah. Um Otherwise, yeah, I'm kind of along for the ride, man, like you're saying. Same. So. Same. Herbie, take me away. <laughs> that's what I call Frank Herbert now, Herbie. Oh, you weren't just making a reference to the Lindsay Lohan remake? No, Lindsay Lohan references. I didn't agree to that. Come on, man. And as a as a guest, you can't. You, I don't. I don't even know if you can propose that. All right, I'll respect so, your wishes. My authority. <laughs> you see how we I didn't? Do, we, yeah, we, we can't go into that. That was too close for comfort. Yeah, I know. I know. I really skirted the line there. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right, man. Um, hey, thanks uh, for for guesting. Thanks You're for welcome. Being my guest. Thank you for being a friend, man. My pleasure. Until next time. Peace out. It's a weird noise you made. <laughs> that was you, you what? fucking idiot. <laughs>